I'm going to get a little more coffee while you're reading that. Yeah. Jam, jam. Coffee. Pajama jammy jam. God, you know what? I want to I want to throw a house party themed New Year's Eve party this year. Ooh. It's going to be a pajama jammy jam. Oh. <laughs> I love a pajama jammy jam. I have a song for it. Would you like to hear it? Is it does it include farts? No, it's about pajamas. Okay, go ahead. Let's put on our jam jams. Let's put on our jam jams. Let's put on our jam jams. A jam 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 jams. A jam jams. I thought that you were going to go into some kind of a, you said le putain en jam jam at one point. And I thought, just because you'd missed the T on the word let, I thought that you had actually started singing a French song. No, it's is this just, a pajamas you know, a French word? Oh, is it? I have no idea. Pajama. It was my um my vowel modulation, like Patty Lapone, except for consonants that don't have any effect on how you sing something. You know what? You're an innovator. I know. <laughs> it feels that feels like a fucking badass cold open. <laughs> Welcome to Take Me to Coffee. This is a mentorship podcast for the digital age, for the doers, the rule breakers, people like you and me and Andrew who are building things from the ground up. Ooh, I've got my toolkit right here. We all need a little help sometimes. So this is your weekly chance to get personal with people who've been down the road before you. Take a big old biscuit, sop up a whole lot of inspiration from every corner of the internet. First of all, I love biscuits a lot. And second of all, I would like if I could sop up inspiration with biscuits and then eat them. I feel like that's what we're doing here sometimes. <laughs> I though. know. I think you're right. I'm wiping the edges of the bowl of the internet sometimes. And then I'm just, ah, <laughs> eat it up. Eat it up. Um, can we go back to your pajama jam? Is that what it's called? Pajama jam? The pajama jammy jam. It's a pajama the jammy pajama jam. Jammy God, jam. For any okay. of you out there who are like, go full old school. I'm bringing up the pajama jammy jam. I'm thinking about throwing a New Year's Eve party. It's the pajama jammy jam from House Party. Anybody? Kid and play? Anybody? Kid and they play. They made like four or five movies about them throwing a party in the 90s. I, I don't understand how it lasted that long, but. What's the plan for your pajama jammy jam? I'm going to get this name wrong every time. <laughs> I know. It's a lot of fun hearing you try to say it. Pejorative jammy juice. Everybody comes over in their pajamas and we drink all kinds of things. And then, you know, you basically do whatever you want. We have, look at, we have a house party. That's what it is. But it's like low key. It's super that low key. That sounds like my dream New Year's. It's my wife's yeah, dream. That's amazing. To, honestly, to go to every single party in like a pair of sweats and a pajama situation. She doesn't want to ever get dressed up, right? My wife's yeah. amazing. She's beautiful. But like she lives yeah. for pajamas. She's like, oh, if there's any way that I can smooth transition from a night out to the couch, to the bed as easily as possible. She's in. She's 100% in. <laughs> And I don't falter for it because I don't want to, like, when I get home, I'm like, I don't want to get out of these clothes and, like, wipe my makeup off and do the whole thing. Right. Like, I've never considered it, but, like, truly a pajama jammy jammer jamsons is <laughs> the perfect party for after a show. Like, if you're an actor, that is all you want to do after oh, you finish yeah. your show for sure is jump into your jams. 100%. And I'm thinking, like, we could do theme night. You could wear, like, fancy jams. You could wear, like, down jams. Oh, yeah. You could wear, like, a really cool set of jams I've never even heard of. But what do you sleep in? Like, what is it? Is this getting a little personal? Are we getting, like... No, no, no. This... But I'm, normal okay. jams for me, like this. It's like sweatpants and my, like, Rocky Mountain hiking t-shirt. But... 
The point of this is I have a pair of jams that have uh-huh. a big fuzzy bunny on the like sweatshirt and then sure. like, bunny pants. And that's what I would wear. What would you Is it one of those kind wear? of almost 3D things that yeah. you can like, you get yeah. a lot of sensory overload because I was like, oh God, I love this bunny. It's really amazing. Yeah. yeah I just sit in front of the TV <laughs> and rub my shirt. Or, or like to, to go to sleep. You're like, oh, I need, I need a little help right now. And then you rub your little bunny. He's oh, cute. Oh. Yeah, that does sound God, disgusting. we really cr- crossed it. the threshold. <laughs> Listen, I- I'm just saying, you know, there were so many episodes where we didn't make allusion to any That's kind of true. sexual and or gutter, gutter trash. We had a good gutter run. Trash. All right, start the counter over. <laughs> start the counter over. I know. <laughs> <Fucking> ridiculous. <laughs> I need you to have, for the Jamsons Jamboree, <laughs> I need you to have silk pajama pants and like a smoking robe. Is that what it's called? Like uh, a it's a smoking robe? jacket. Yeah, a smoking, smoking jacket. jacket. Yeah. Are we thinking like, you know, like Great Gatsby style or are we going to go like full? Yeah, I think so. Or like yeah. Hugh Hefner style. Are we going to class it up or are we going to class it down? Sorry, Ooh. Hugh, RIP. I don't know. Can you have a costume change? Yeah, you can do whatever you want. It's a pajama jam. party. Game. You can do it. It's a Jamson's Jam Jam Jamathon. This is fulfilling my need, by the way, for every week since we've interviewed Christina Anthony to call Lynn Manuel Miranda something different. I've been trying. I want to I wanna know from you guys. And listen, week. this is um, we're not dogging Lynn because I love Lynn. He's a dear friend of mine. But it is it's a lot of words. There's a lot of alliteration there. So he didn't uh, choose that. It has really nothing wanna, to do with him. No, it has right? nothing to do with him. You know, it's like I think he he loves to play too. So if you want to come yeah. up with Schmin, 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 I made the game already. It's on Twitter. If you go back to our Twitter account, October twenty eighth, which I know is kind of a scroll, so whatever. Uh, I named this game Sim Sam El Bonanza. <laughs> That's, that's a fucking great name for it, actually. I was writing that tweet, and I actually renamed it like six times. I tried out different things. It's whatever that name is for you at that moment. So if you don't know what the fuck we're talking about right now, you can go back and listen to our episode with Christina Anthony, who is on Mixedish on ABC. Whenever she says Lin-Manuel Miranda, she does not say any such thing. She just nope. comes up with a syllabic reproduction of his name. Sure. <laughs> she she doesn't really know his name. I don't think she's ever going to know his yeah, it's name. True. It's just... Nope. It's sounds shim sham shale shashanda just she knows yeah. that there's a hyphen and, and that's pretty much it and then it ends in a vowel yeah it's true all right let's get to today's episode we have an unbelievable violist today drew alexander ford that viola kid on twitter instagram snap youtube all these other places Everything. we fondly call him tvk tvk so Drew, Drew was introduced to us by one of our other guests, Aisha Denise, whose episode you should definitely listen to as well. But she loves Drew. And she was like, you got to talk to this guy. He's a classical violist. He went to Juilliard. He is, I can't even say the word. He's phenomenally talented. Watching him play the viola on his Instagram stories, I could do it truly the whole entire afternoon. But he also became a content creator when he left Juilliard. And he was making for a long time all these like crazy cinematic vlogs. And they're amazing. And he has a podcast called the Faking Notes podcast, which I love with another classical musician. There's just like all this stuff online that you can watch. And he's like the perfect intersection of top level technical skills, right? At a craft and like bringing it to the masses through social media. And kind of unbuttoning an already, you know, top button yep. societal norm, you know, we play in a, of a sacred space kind of a yep. thing. But he's like, you know, he's, he's really taking that top button down and well, he's really exposing his chest to the world. <laughs> you're so weird. <laughs> we learned two main things on this episode, right? Like if you're listening, you're going to really dig one, just the like practical skill of what it actually takes to be a classical, a live mm-hmm. performing artist and figure out how to use social media and digital content. But also like if you're coming out of college right now, this conversation is super for you 
because I think one of the things I loved the most about him is how honest he is about all the ups and downs and what was really hard and what continues to be hard for him as someone who Mm -hmm. chose not to go to a steady job in a symphony. And I feel like that's a lot of us, right? There's a lot of kids coming out of college like that. And there's a lot of people our age who are thinking about changing over to that model. So this is like such an inspiring conversation. It's also very useful. There's a lot of really useful information in here if you're thinking about doing that. You are not stuck, okay? Like this is the whole gist of the conversation is you are not stuck in this one old-timey way of thinking. You can break out because there's so much opportunity out there. There's so many different levels of opportunity out there and there's so many different levels of success. Anything we can transition, we can change, we can all go a different route and then we can also circle back to that. Do you. Do you. Just do you, whatever that is. (laughs) Do you. I can't wait to have a t-shirt. So don't forget to head over to Twitter and follow us at TM2C Podcast. You can leave us a question or a story for an upcoming guest, and you can also let us know who you're following. That's awesome. And we will go hunt them down. We do suggestion Sundays every single Sunday, and we have gotten some amazing suggestions, and those people are booked for the podcast. So we're serious about this. We hope you enjoy this episode of Take Me to Coffee with Drew Alexander Ford. AKA TVK. A-A-A-T-V-K. TVK. TVK. <laughs> God, listen, TVK. we're on the same. We're on the same fucking level. TVK. This is Andrew. <laughs> hey, what's up? I've heard up, your, I've heard your voice, man. It's good to see you. Thanks. Oh, well, listen, man, it's just a normal face, I think. Uh, <laughs> Some days. Some days it's a normal face. I make all kinds of faces. That's what I do for a living. It's I make true. faces. <laughs> oh, Drew, Andrew. Oh yeah, that's true. true. It's gonna be true it's gonna be really true. confusing. We'll call you. We'll just call you that viola kid. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. TVK. Can we just call you TVK? TVK? You can call me TVK. That's cool. All right, TVK. I, like I feel that. like that's a new truncated version of cool. Oh, appreciate TVK. you, man. Yeah, man. Are you kidding me? I've just kind of branded it. I love it. Are you kidding me? I love it. And then also, you see, looking at your headshot, I was like, you hugging up on a viola. I was like, that dude loves what he does. Nah. Dude really loves it. <laughs> I really He's not, do. It's just it's not a prop for him. That's not. There's love in those eyes. Oh, there's love oh in no! A. It's also a weapon <laughs> that, that must be used wisely. <laughs> oh yeah. shit! Truth, Uncle Ben. Truth, Uncle Ben's dropping told me, truth bombs. He told me today. with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> do you like have TVK or that Viola kid? Is it like your union name? Like your friends get Drew and like your fans get TVK? I don't even understand anymore. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I used to get asked on Instagram all the time. What's your name? It used to be the first line in my bio, my full name. But then mm-hmm. I like started doing online dating. A bunch of girls got weirded out about the fact that I had followers and stuff. Like it was weird. So I decided to change the name on Instagram, what my name was. And coincidentally, nobody ever asked me what my name is. It's so funny when the information's there, weird. people are asking. That's some Malcolm yeah. Gladwell shit. That really Yo, is, man. That's I was some... just listening to him on Joe Rogan. Oh, really? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't yeah. that feel like his like blink or tipping kind of stuff? Like what? what's really with that? a tipping point, yeah. I, Why? I don't know, but I, I think like when you kind of create a sort of brand and it can separate from you, people can feel like they can take more ownership over it because it's not really, mm-hmm. it's like a thing. And it's not necessarily the person you are. And I, I'm trying to figure out how to be both of those two people at the same time. Oh, that's interesting. really interesting. Without the buffer, without the see, buffer. I've always, I've always taken social media as like, a, as like a buffer. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like that arm's length to fans. Like I give you a little bit, mm-hmm. but like I'm not gonna no. give you all of it because they're always hungry. They're always no, hungry. No, I that never stuff. saw it like that, man. You know, I don't know. I, I think they are, and that's what yeah. I'm learning after I've moved out here 
in LA, it's like when it's no longer like your name and people can get attached to a character, like there seems to be a lot less resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Which is very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. But I, I pride myself on my authenticity and I like to share my failures. I like to share the cool things that are going on in my life, but I also want to be honest because mm-hmm. there's so many kids out there. There's so many people out there that think this stuff happens overnight and it doesn't. <laughs> we talk about that all the yeah, fucking time. Yeah, all the time. time. I know. That's so crazy. <laughs> How do you feel about this um, this whole social media kind of thing right now that we're, we're, we're living in where you have created this persona, but then you see other people being like inauthentic? And like mm-hmm. disingenuous with their authenticity. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. put up something and yeah. it's all airbrushed and crazy. And these kids are seeing yeah. like a fake version of something that just isn't real. 100%. You can't and be perfect. No. Perfect's uninteresting. It, it mm. really is uninteresting. But what, what's even more important is that I see social media kind of like an extension of this participation trophy type of uh, what, what I mean by that is, is Whoa. when kids perceive things on the internet and they are highly produced and they have no reflection of what real life is. They get a false perception of their own life. Just like if they were given a participation trophy, when they lose, they get this false sense of, I don't know, this isn't really how the world works. Exactly. Mm. And I I don't think they get a a sense of accomplishment when they see a big booty chick on Instagram that has a perfect face, that's not really like, it's, it's a lie. It's right. not the takeaway the is not great, right? Correct. And it prevents real positive character growth. And so you have a bunch of people who can't deal with adversity and we need a whole generation of people to adhere with adversity mm. when we have climate change coming. We have AI coming. I mean, it's get it, the world is getting weirder and weirder, and we need people that can persevere and take it take it on the chin. I also all like. Right. I'm going to back up on this point because mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about this, but now it all comes together. You were saying mm-hmm. when you were dating, people were freaking out about you having followers, and I have a, mm-hmm. I feel I just have never run into that, and I've actually never heard anyone you know express mm-hmm. that that happened to them. Is that a symptomatic of that anxiety that comes from what you see online, or what do you what? Do, I mean, I know you can't speak for these people, yeah, of course, but I try not to. But my perception of it was. I was then lumped into a group of people that are the influencers that are people that tend to be be promoting the tea oh, and promoting yeah, yeah. Like, the people that really seek attention. And like, I do seek attention. I'm a musician. I need yeah. to play for people. That's how I make money. I try to keep a healthy balance between loving an audience, wanting to cultivate it, wanting to give that audience value, mm-hmm. but then also going back into the laboratory and working on myself mm-hmm. and trying to be better and trying to be an authentic voice. Mm-hmm. A-, a lot of people that are really in this influencer space, I don't know that many of them yet. I moved out here to meet them, but the mm. ones that tend to rise to the top tend to be like the Logan Pauls or the Jake Pauls. Right, of the right. World. And mm-hmm. then when you have that pejorative cast among my entire demographic, right? You know, it's really hard to fight against those preconceived notions. People like Joe Rogan know who he knows who he is. You know how they know him? Oh, he was the guy that Suicide Forest guy. Like <laughs> he's what people associate with YouTuber, with content mm-hmm. creator. So when I put that mm-hmm. as my subcategory of who I am, I have to fight against that perception as well. I find that to be right. deeply challenging. It's just something that you just don't get prepped 
for obviously, I mean, I just feel like in our day and age, particularly for live performing artists of whatever mode or modality you are, the opportunity is so huge to to use to like just embrace all the tools we have access to all the distribution channels it like it's very empowering it puts things back in our hands but you don't get the crash course on like that stuff do you know what i mean like it's so funny i was thinking about this in the shower i thought about the past few years especially 2014 when I really kind of started getting into content creation mm-hmm. and like I had to learn how to edit videos I had to learn how to oh, shoot yeah. photos I had to learn about cameras I had to learn about editing software I had to learn about color grading I have to learn about captions and, and then SEO and then branding yourself marketing and that has nothing to do with how to play the viola that has no. nothing to do with what I went to school for <laughs> and spent all of your time all of my money and I have and your yes money. Exactly. And I have these loans that are crushing <laughs> yes, me, right? Yes. Right, but, right. But what I really, what's really cool about it is like, yes, you do have these channels that you can use to build a real authentic grassroots base. Yeah. However, it is so daunting to do everything. I've been yeah, doing everything. Yeah. I still don't even have a manager. I manage yeah. myself. I do That's all my crazy. emails. I'm learning like, oh, wait, I can't be good at everything. Mm -hmm. I can't be good at everything right now. I need to just take time and get better. And that's what I want to tell these kids is like, just pick one thing right now. (laughs) That's it, though. I get asked. I get asked all the time because I write and direct and act and I very successfully do all of those things. All the kids are like, how do I do that? And I just Mm -hmm. don't think there's a way to just do it all of a sudden. Like I just learned one craft really well. And Mm -hmm. then once I had a handle on it, you know, which was like Mm -hmm. a decade, I kind of tiptoed and found something else and built that skill on the side while I continue to maintain this one. You can't just like, I don't think, I don't know. Unless you have money. What Mm. I'm, what I want to tell the kids, go get a grant, have an idea and then get a grant for it. Mm -hmm. I had, I was very lucky when I graduated Juilliard, they gave me an entrepreneurship grant. Oh, I saw that. uh, That was fucking awesome. years. Yeah. You say, tell everybody what that is. Yeah. What is that? So what it was, I was like one of a dozen or so applicants that were nominated by our teachers and by colleagues to get a grant for $10,000 each year for two years to help us pursue that which we're trying to do entrepreneurially or, or creatively. I can tell you that thing paid my bills. I was able to take not minimal gigs, but the minimal gigs that were coming in, I was able to subsist off of that and bust but I can tell you when that grant ended, I had a deep bout of depression because I could not, I could barely pay my bills. It was, Mm -hmm. I had to really tighten the belt. Like an extra 10 K a year can really allow you to spend time to learn how to edit YouTube videos, learn how to start a podcast, learn how to take your photography and your editing skills to the next level. Like I was so fortunate to have that. And that's how I was able to continue to bump up my production value. Mm -hmm. But now it's kind of hit a point where if it's not making me money, I really can't do it at this moment. It's tough. I could talk about That's, this all fucking yeah, Andrew knows. Day. I'm just yeah. like, oh, she's like, she's Andrew. fully in it every <laughs> single day. Yeah. Like right now, I'm like, I'm looking for things to do. And she's like, I've got all the things to do, but I don't have the skill set that you guys have. So I'm like, laying on the couch watching Ghost Hunters. Well, y'all are like, I'm scrambling to like learn new things. I'm so jealous of it though, because I'm the kind of person, like when I get back to New York City in a couple of months, I'm, I'm that kind of person. Like I'm always doing stuff, right? I'm always hustling. I'm always doing stuff. But sitting here in Chicago right now, I'm like, just kind of biting my nails, getting ready to go on to the next thing. And I'm like, I, 
I just need something to do. Thank God for this podcast. What's what's the next what's the next thing, man? Are you are you still figuring well, it out? Oh God, it, like going home and spending some like really good quality time with my wife for as long as she can stand it. So probably about six days. And then yes. I'll move on to whatever's new. I'll move on to whatever's new. Oh, man. I just, I've just been thinking about this a lot, right? Because mm-hmm. I too am, it, have been in this year of trying to learn what is true for all regular business, right? Mm-hmm. You need capital to like yeah. make the things happen and everyone, but in our, the, as theater people like Andrew and I, yeah. or as a classical musician, you need capital for equipment and stuff, but like it's job to job, right? You, you learn, yeah. you preload the skills beforehand mm-hmm. and then you just mm-hmm. start working. And so this idea is so foreign and it's so hard for even, I don't know about you, but my, I'm smart and I still have a hard time wrapping my brain around the idea that I can't just like go fucking do a thing that needs to be done and be in yeah. the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That you like, and that yeah. how much capital buys you in terms of time and space, like you were saying. It really does. And I think one of the biggest things that is a barrier for a lot of artists is the capital to delegate tasks. Right. That you have to oh devote a lot of time and energy into learning. Like if I could just hire an editor that is better than me, and if I had the money to pay them to pump out content every day, I would do it because mm-hmm. that is the sort of life I need to be living. But <laughs> I can't do it yet. I just need to start simple. <laughs> so if I'm not making more money, I don't blame other people mm-hmm. and I don't blame myself. I just realize I'm not valuable enough in that way. I need to develop more skills. That's why I'm taking Mm -hmm. improv comedy. That's why I'm doing Muay Thai. That's why I've started my own podcast because I think building these other new diverse skills other than just playing a viola, understanding business, like you said, like Mm -hmm. I've subscribed to uh, Indie Pro. Do you know Indiepreneur? Mm -mm. It's this website that also has a podcast, but they teach indie artists how to find their audience, how to do marketing funnels, how to uh, mm-hmm. tap into Spotify algorithms, like the essential things that a music maker like me needs to know. We never, that isn't but taught we never. In Juilliard. That's not taught in music school. No. The things that, oh, I, instead of trying to get an orchestra job, how can I be hired to do the thing that I love to do, to be my own yeah, creator? To make it right? for yourself, yeah. I get that. I think that's an institutional problem, man. You, I mean, you see it all the time now with mm-hmm. kids coming out of school. Everything that they know is probably like, you know, I'm going to say at least five to seven, if not 10 years behind the curve. And you are mm-hmm. always like looking for that next person. You know, you have guest artists and you have people coming in talking about that real shit, but they're not really yeah. telling you like how to balance your checkbook. And we've talked about that before, like how to like do normal life shit. Right. Mm-hmm. But then again, now life is a different, it's a, through a different lens. So we got to go, right. Hey, listen, we got to, you're going to be a content creator. There's YouTube out there. There's Facebook, there's Snapchat, there's all this shit. And people are making money as influencers off of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like you've got yes. a huge social following. So it's like, you get it. You're like, I've got yes. to put content. I've got to create. Who's telling yes. me how to create that? Where am I getting that? You know yeah. what I mean? You're like, you go back to Julia and you say, Hey, can you guys institute at least one class, if not two classes a year that say entrepreneurship or whatever it is, you know? They do. They do have it. Oh, shit. Alan okay. D. Marks, uh, Center for a Career uh, Entrepreneurship, used to be called Career Services. They have a full okay. business class that I took. Uh, I took yes. two business classes. I took two semesters of business. But you know what? Okay. I was in the shower, and this is what I was thinking about. When yeah. I, with my friend Nathan Chan, we did this cover while we were at Juilliard of Adele's Hello. It was like 2014. Hello was the hottest song. It was like October. <laughs> like, we got to make this. We got to make a cover of this song. This is so great. So we go and we do it. But we do it for our entrepreneurship project. And I'm not going to dox 
I'm not going to dox the, uh, the instructor, but he told <laughs> us to our face, this is really nice. This is really great. But where's the business? Can you explain how this makes money? And I was like, but I thought I was here to learn that from you. And what we planned on, and this, and this is 2014, so this is before uh, mm. a lot of these great artists have blown up off of like covers and sheet music and touring and playing mm -hmm. different shows, halftime shows. I have so many friends that are playing halftime shows that got their start on America's Got Talent or on some sort of award show. Totally. And what I've learned from them is that they put sheet music, they make an entire album, they sell the album at their shows, they right. go on Spotify, they're in the Spotify playlist they're making a lot of money from there from pandora all of these other avenues we were kind mm -hmm. of told in that class that covers aren't good enough this isn't a way to make money and because of that i i disagreed mm -hmm. but i just realized in the shower today i haven't made a legitimate cover by myself in years why not oh it's because they don't work wait when did i learn that i used to do it all the time i used to have fun with it where did i learn that I learned that in the entrepreneurship class. Oh my class. God. Yeah. And that's it's a mind blowing revelation that I just had before we got on here. And I'm freaking out because I'm thinking about all the lost time I have, you know, like all the time where I was focusing on, you know, video production, maybe on the wrong things. And maybe I would be playing more shows today if I had not gone down the route of like photography and videography. But if, mm. I, if I had just focused on music more, maybe I'd be making more money. You know, it's just so interesting. But to those listening now, I want you to know, you can make money from covers. Like I go to do school tours. They always want me to perform my covers, but I made mm. them back before I even knew to make sheet music for them. So I can't do those covers. I have to make new ones. You know what I mean? I talk yeah, to cruise yeah. ship agents and they're like, do you have any covers, any music? And I'm like, yeah, but do you have it live? No. Do you have music? No. Why not? Huh? Why? Exactly. It's because oh, right. I was told that it wasn't commercially viable. And right, I, right, right, right. I mistrust anyone in any situation that mm -hmm. says there's one rule, right? That there is a thing that is definitively right or wrong every mm -hmm. time. Like, cause that is just yeah. never the case, I think. But I'm thinking about like our friends, my friends, the apartment sessions. Do you know them? The YouTube no, channel I apartment don't. sessions? Okay. First of all, I check want them to. out. Okay. They're yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking awesome. And if you ever come to New York, <laughs> you need to play with them. I'll introduce you. I used to live in New York. I'm you sorry did? we missed each other. Yeah, for four years. That's oh, all right. I live part time in LA, so we'll hang out in okay. LA. Yeah, let's I'm out get there. coffee for real. For sure. Yes, <laughs> real yeah. coffee. But apartment sessions is completely 100% built on covers. It is 100 musicians crammed into an apartment playing these oh humongous arrangements of punch brothers and oh the whiz God. and like whatever and i mean yeah. they're starting to do original tunes from some of their composers mm -hmm. and stuff but it's but still I mean, 75 percent like composers jukebox the same shit right. and they became yes. so famous because of covers brooklyn duo like that's, that's what you Sterling. do like uh, mm -hmm. it's crazy. yeah my friend uh does jhm jams ken kubota one of my closest friends from Juilliard, he's a cellist. Kekubota8 on Instagram, he does this series called JHM Jams. And it's just a bunch of classical musicians slamming into his living room in his apartment in New yeah. York City. And it's yeah. just a jam session on a cover that they That's learn awesome. like this off the top of their head just by listening to it. That's amazing. He's also got a band called Empire Wild. Super dope. It's a keyboard, percussionist, a cellist, and 
actually two cellists in the sink. So it's dope. I'm going to put all that in the show notes for everyone that's listening. Yay. For every single thing that he said, can we put that all on I'm writing on it down. It's all okay, on there. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I've been trying. Do you guys do any covers or things like that? Do you guys sing for YouTube content at all ever? We're like yeah, just a little too old, I think, actually. I, think I just missed that boat. Yeah, yeah. man. I've like never, what? and I don't have like a specialized skill set. My specialized skill set resides in a place where cameras aren't allowed sometimes. And then yeah. where it's in front of Mine a camera, too. like normally, you know what I mean? Yeah, right, it's the same right. kind of thing where you're like, oh, we're in these, you know, church like settings, like the theater. You don't have your cell phone out. We can't put that content up. It's yeah. about that, ex- it's an experiential thing as opposed mm-hmm. to, I need to get my content out there to see have people see who I am. It's more of a weird. That's weird that I'm not not that I'm saying it. I'm like, oh yeah, no. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't have any. There's no. I'm not. Yeah, but yeah. see, there's that's what I'm talking about. I had to fight that yeah. in Juilliard because it's just different. It's just yeah. super different. But what's so yeah. beautiful about it is that it connects people to you in a very intimate way because you're straight in their eardrums. Right. Like they see you in your feed and it's just you and you're sharing the thing you love to do. That creates this. It's like I'm reaching through the screen and touching your heart. And then that inspires you to come out and see me when I'm in your town live. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's just a really intimate way to connect with an audience. And it's scary and it's weird. It's so funny. I never... I also never thought about this until this very second. So I have a company called Broadway Unlocked, which created this podcast. Uh I've had it since 2013, which was like early on. So it's all about creating accessibility, education, and like harnessing technology for live performing artists so in all manners. This is, your, this is your neighborhood. This is your back, totally. back arena, man. I mean, <laughs> the thing is that I never realized is that like I act on stage and in front of the camera, but I, ne- I don't mix it like online. I facilitate uh, it. Do you know what I mean? I make videos of other yeah. people doing it. Like I'll direct and produce yeah. stuff. I actually have just never, ever, I just keep them separate. It's so weird. I wonder why I do that. Yeah, I know. Me too. I was, that's exactly what I was, as I was saying it, I was like, why do I not mix the two? (laughs) That's weird. You know what it is? I think it's a, it's kind of, it's similar and related to this phenomenon that you see in classical music. Mm. Uh, You have a lot of cats that are just the most insane players on the planet earth. (laughs) They blow my mind. They're wizards and and witches. (laughs) They're beautiful. But then- Like when you ask them to improv or you ask them to write their own piece of music, it's like, oh, no, 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 I don't do that. But then they, but then eventually I think a lot of artists go, why not? Cause I'm in that phase right now. Why not? You know, all I do is play other people's stuff. What do I have to say? And sometimes I think it's a spectrum. I think that everybody resides (laughs) somewhere on that spectrum, but I think it's okay to ask yourself that question and then maybe do something about it. I love that. Yeah. Done and done. I'm switching yeah. our questions around now from our, like, what's going on today because I have a really good one to follow this up. Okay. Um, so I had my friend specifically ask my friend Ben Gully to ask a uh-huh. question because uh-huh. he is a international opera star. Oh, He's wow. amazing tenor, but he is a signed label artist in R&B. And I he's love insane. It. And he it. has always, same as you, right? Like fought, like no one understands. They told him he couldn't do it. And I was like, yeah. Ben, you got to ask Drew a question. I so- want to beat him. <laughs> That's new. I love that. TVK, this is Ben Gully, operatic tenor. Uh, also shout out from John Brancy. 
but my question for you today for the podcast is what markets or genres do you see embracing the modification and modernization of classical instruments such as electronic violas or hybrid instruments with the ability for a much wider aural palette? Do you see the classical forms embracing this or do you think we have to kind of make our own markets? Is, uh, what, are, what are you finding or what do you foresee will be the next space for the new sounds? And are you playing with any new sounds currently? Wow, that's an incredible Two really great questions question. in there, yeah. Yeah. So for the first one, I think what's really interesting, it's, an, it's one of the most interesting times in string playing that, that I can remember. Because of the internet, you have a lot of people who aren't classically trained, but they're playing violin. They're playing mm -hmm. classical instruments. And what I mean by classically trained is like they may not have gone and gotten their masters specifically and only in classical performance. That's what I mean mm -hmm. by that. I'm qualifying it. Just mm -hmm. because you play a classical instrument, you didn't go to Juilliard or conservatory doesn't mean you're not classically trained. Okay, I'm talking about people who try to get degrees and take on the debt <laughs> yeah. with the intent of getting into an orchestra and then saying, oh, wait, this is dumb. Fuck it. Let me do something else. <laughs> so it works for some people. So what there. I see, it works for some people. What I really am so excited to see is there are so many players that are burgeoning in hip hop violin. There's my mm. boy Dodge Jordan UK on Instagram out in um out in out in London playing hip hop violin. He's got one of the most sweet, sultry sounds ever. Uh we got Grandmaster Vic, who's a violinist out here in LA. I just every time he plays, oh my goodness, he's a hip hop R and B violinist. Phenomenal. There's my boy uh Lee England Jr who does very much the same thing. We've got Azima Ramsey. I've actually done a couple covers with her. Eric Stanley. And there's Black Violin, who pioneered it all. Do you know about Black Violin? Tell us about Black it. Black Violin. Tell oh us all goodness. about it, please. So I was in sixth or seventh grade. I That's when I started viola. I started in sixth grade, 12 years old. Uh -huh. And MySpace was a thing. So I think it's yes. seventh grade. Oh, we're not that much older than you. No. Shoot. No, 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 no. I was in seventh like grade. Years. Yeah. Shut up. You shut your mouth. Don't you age us. Don't you hey, age me. We all in these trenches, baby. That's, that's what right. it's all about. Oh, that's it. No. Give me that sultry. All in it. Yes, yes. My boy who I used to do soccer with, he's my best friend in middle school and high school. He sent me this video of these two brothers uh, who both went to FSU, and they uh -huh. took the Brandenburg the Brandenburg Concerto and flipped it on a hip hop beat and we're playing violin to it, violin and viola to it. I saw that one video and I just, I was like, oh my goodness, this is the future. Mm. They did it before anybody else. I, I, they're like the, the pioneers and they are getting due respect uh, that they deserve. They just recently got one of their songs from their recent album. They got uh, licensed by the US Open like the US Open oh, played it during their ceremonies. What a dream. And like commercials That's and stuff. amazing. Yo, they tour year round. Is this some of their original content? This is their own original content. They, okay, they okay. make their own original hip hop violin music. Awesome. And it's so great. My boy, Brian King Joseph, who is on America's Got Talent, is another guy. Mm -hmm. He played for that Logan Paul KSI fight oh. over at Staples Center. Mm -hmm. It's blowing we, up. We have never guessed. It's like a fight and a violin. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like the genre, like you thinking these two things aren't going to work together, but then they work together and you're like, what? It works. But then you also think about like when Don King was promoting boxing, he was the one bringing in, you know, classical pianists to like open up for, you know, Mike Tyson and shit like that. You're like, mm. hey, what? Oh, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't even he, know He's that. like, he's that dude who's like promoting like the cross world shit. 
Oh, that's tough. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think hmm. this is what, what we're seeing is we're seeing an, more avenues opening up for independent artists. And so those who are branding themselves as independent artists, you see the Lindsey Sterlings and Taylor Davises of the world, mm -hmm. the Simply Threes and the, and the uh, piano guys, like they're off doing award shows. I feel like more and more breaking out every single year. And it's because they learn how to brand themselves through social media. Now, when it comes to electric instruments, it can be applied all over. Like I have a couple of electric instruments. I have an NS design. Shout out to NS. Uh, <laughs> I have NS design viola. <laughs> and I have an acoustic electric viola by Andrew Glasser. And so they both plug in. I have an amp behind me. I have an effects pedal that I'm borrowing from my buddy. And uh, yeah, so it's sick. just. When do you use them? Mostly for videos or? I use it. I'm still, still trying to figure out how it all works because it's different. How you play doesn't really produce the sound. It's how you modulate the sound through the machine. And so mm. there's a whole nother level and branch. Oh, wow. Wow, I'm okay. used to acoustic. I know how to make different colors. because Manipulate it acoustically. Right, right, right. None of those apply. So I'm learning that at a standard pace but i just did a cover with simply three and we have for our solos that we all do we play it on our ns instruments and we process so them in the computer cool and i mean you can put that through any kind of a pedal system right i mean it's oh, like an yeah. electric guitar essentially yeah for any kind of amp land right so you can yeah. have like 15 20 pedals <laughs> putting out different kind of sounds and shit like that's so dope oh, to me yeah bro it's it's next <laughs> level there's so much creativity that can come from it and i'm just right. blessed to have friends that are kind of showing me the ropes with it because I wouldn't know how to figure it out myself. That's wild because um, when we I do a show in Chicago called Hamilton and when we have our Oh, playoff, you do? Right? Wait. Yeah. We must know people. Oh, yeah. we, we absolutely do. Uh, speaking of, I'm about ready to drop some knowledge okay. on you in a second. There's a, there's a guy, uh, Chuck Bontrager, who's a brilliant um, uh I know him. Yeah, player, of course. He, I know him. Yeah, Bontrager, man. He's yeah. unbelievable. He's got his electric violin, but he makes it sound like, through pedals, makes it sound like a guitar and plays it Isn't like it a crazy? rock guitar. It is unbelievable. And if anybody out there checks him out, Chuck Bontrager, he has his own arrangement of the Star Spangled Banner that he plays on this electric rock guitar, and it is phenomenal. It's like five minutes long. It is brilliant. I Speaking of friends that we know together, I actually, just before we get on here, my friend Kiana June Weber, uh -huh. who plays Celtic fiddle uh -huh. in Come yeah, From Away right from now. IG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So she, I just text her. And uh -huh. I was like, I'm interviewing this guy today, Drew. Uh -huh. And she was like, uh -huh. no fucking way. <laughs> We've talked about collaborating. I'm fucking obsessed with this guy. We like we have to work together. She's obsessed with you. I, I'm obsessed with her. She's she's transcendent. Uh, she's the real deal, man. She's the real deal. Yeah. As far oh, as like sure. fiddle, fiddle goes. And I, I put air quotes around fiddle because it's it's so much more. It's so much more than that. Oh, she's 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 an artist. She's a painter of sound. Like, and talking about I, like, you know, creating your own content and branding yourself in a particular way. She's she's done all of it. Mm -hmm. She like puts out her little rehearsal video like she's in the thing, warm room warming up or whatever. Yep. It's so inspired. It's so yeah, inspiring. Following it's so inspiring. Yeah. I get out of the whole social media thing because, you know, what bothers me is when I was starting out, I was growing all the time because I was putting out content. Then I recently did uh -huh. a cruise contract and I couldn't do that anymore. Right. I essentially killed my entire momentum and growth and I haven't been able to get uh. it going again. Oh, that's really interesting. That, it made me feel like I, I was washed up. I was over. Uh. I was canceled. But that's not true. It's the algorithms. <laughs> it's, it's the production. And I've gotten too fancy. The way I do videos, I can't put it out every single day. And totally. still do right. this or do a podcast or do my improv sure. or drive. 
because that takes up most of my day here in LA. Exactly. Yeah. Just driving places. Go grocery shopping. That's two hours, oh, my yeah. guy. Oh yeah. That's funny that you say that. And this conversation yeah. is going to lead us into a brilliant question too for us. Yes. We've actually taken a small bit from your podcast. Oh snap! It's not a question. Spoiler alert! <laughs> I just got super obsessed with your podcast <laughs> and wanted to talk about all the things you were talking about. Oh my so goodness! I clipped audio from it. <laughs> yeah. just full pirate. She, that's my, why she's going to pirate. Trevor's going to lose his mind. Oh, I love it. No, bring it. We love piracy. We encourage it. Great. Before we play it, if you don't know, if you're listening. Drew has an amazing podcast called the Faking Notes Podcast that, as I've mentioned, I'm super obsessed with. It's like two classical musicians, like tackling kind of similarly to this, right? Like Mm -hmm. talking about everything. Sometimes it's music, but it's also the other stuff, right? It's life. Yes. So this was the first thing. This is the first (laughs) thing I was obsessed with. I'm not talking about people in a symphony. You make your own money. And they are, there are those that then go and start their own music festivals. They go do Mm -hmm. other things. You can do other things. The problem isn't that I'm not talking to people who are comfortable in their orchestra position. I'm talking to people who quit playing their instrument because they never believed that entrepreneurial endeavors were viable for musicians. Were a viable way to fund your to fund your art career. Uh, oh man, I love Jeremy Jones. I love. Yeah, Jeremy tell me about voice. him because I actually didn't see what he does. He was probably one of my first friends when I moved out here. I went to go see mm. a, a show that an acquaintance was performing. It was in this warehouse. It was cool. He was up before her with his band and he plays viola just like I do. But I also heard him sing and he has the voice of an angel. This man, uh-huh. this man can really sing. Uh, and I, I just, I, after he got off the stage, I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know anybody. I know you don't know me, but I see you play viola. I play viola. Can we be friends? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, okay. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. I love him. That's amazing. Viola buddies. What was his trajectory? Like, did he play in orchestras or did he also go straight to like other stuff? You know, I don't really know necessarily because we haven't really talked about the path. We've talked about what we're trying to do and, and mm-hmm. our future. So we make beats together and we'll mm. get together. He'll be a guest. He's been the only guest who's been on my podcast twice. And we'll talk mm-hmm. about music and we'll talk about these more adult things. But I haven't really gotten to the personal questions. I've only lived here a year. Oh, nice. Sometimes you forget. I've only known these people for a year and I don't know where they come from. And we're all adults. We're almost 30. Like we have yeah. a lot of stuff that we don't know about each other. That never stops. <laughs> I'm looking forward to those conversations. I really am. Well, it's nice because that podcast episode with him, you know, I'm not saying this is a rule, but all three of us have spent time in L.A. It is harder there than elsewhere, some other places, to, like, make deep friendships, I think. Yes. Right? Correct. There's a lot of, like, you know, people, you got your own shit going on. There's a lot of, there's, there's all the things. So I think that you found someone that fast, you know what I mean? That you were able to like have this huge podcast episode twice, you know, conversations about where he, I thought he asked you really good questions. Like Mm -hmm. he he was an asker, right? He would always ask you to clarify what you were talking about and what you meant. He's an incredibly deep thinker. And I think that's what makes him such a great musician. One of my favorite songs by him that I listen to almost every morning is called Juice. It's from his mixtape called Late Bloomer. Okay, the reason I played that clip is because I was curious. You said 
you were talking about entrepreneurship for like the folks who don't choose the classical, like the traditionally sort of like laid out route. But do you know anybody who does play in symphonies who's like also really, really hustling on the entrepreneur side of things? I was just curious. Mm, no. Actually, I, I amend that. Yes, kind of. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is the level of focus that you have to put in to get a job like that doesn't mm. allow for anything else because somebody else is going to do it. When you're competing against mm-hmm. 400 people for two spots, you best believe if you're not practicing six weeks out, eight hours a day and having mock audition after mock audition after mock audition, if you don't have seven auditions lined up, you're probably not going to get to those final rounds. It's that back-breaking intensity that kind of discourages you from entrepreneurial endeavors because, as we said earlier, you have to cultivate so many things that have nothing to do with your instrument. Whereas if you're trying Mm -hmm. to get this job, you have to be the sweatiest player out there. You have to sweat all over your instrument just to have a chance because you better not make a mistake. You better not phrase that incorrectly Mm -hmm. or in a way that they didn't think would be optimal for their sound, right? Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing is you have all these brilliant players. Some of the greatest players that have ever lived, ever, are trying to get these jobs and it's impossible to to choose among them when everybody's Mm -hmm. that good, right? Mm -hmm. So it's... I'm kind of just like, look, I want to have a life. I want to do other things. (laughs) I want to play jazz. I want to talk to people, right? So I need to get out of that race. I need, I hope that everyone who listens to our podcast that's in theater, musical theater Mm -hmm. in particular, to re-listen to that, everything you just said. Because that exact scenario is applicable to what we do. Mm -hmm. We walk in every day we audition with hundreds and hundreds of people. And I know that what we do, sometimes there's luck. Sometimes you're just exact. You look the exact right way. There's stuff that doesn't have to do with practice. Yeah. But like the idea of putting that kind of blood, sweat and tears into prepping for an audition. Do you know what I mean? Even if it's classwork in our case or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That's something that I feel like a lot of people I know don't uh, do. And I think that it's worth considering because it is so clearly a way to stand out when you walk in that room. I agree. And what I want to say even more, it's very different for us as classical musicians because we don't really have auditions very often. Right. So if there are 400 people that haven't given up, they've like graduated school and they just haven't given up on the orchestra dream yet, right? That are auditioning on your instrument at any given time. Think about Mm -hmm. the numbers that are added every time there's a graduating class. Mm -hmm. And if there's only maybe a dozen auditions this year, those are a dozen different jobs out of the thousands that you're missing out on because you're trying to get this one thing. And the numbers are just getting bigger. We have these really great programs in Texas training some of the sweatiest players I've ever seen. They're like 16 and they're playing Mahler symphonies and they're playing Hindemith and they're, I don't know if that, tracks with any of you but those are highly oh absolutely they're coming out swinging hard college level performance right right? so they're gonna leave college and be way more prepared than i was and there's still gonna be fewer jobs because these jobs are they're being reduced they're getting shorter seasons they're they're cutting the size of the orchestra the talent pool is just just gross you know outnumbering the actual amount of work that's out there it just grows. It grows. And so and the grows talent and becomes more finite and more compact and so higher yeah. grade, you know? 
Yeah. Don't try to go through that doorway. There's another one, and it's like it's like a hangar door, and like there are twelve people walking through it. Why don't you instead of trying to go through that dog tiny little <laughs> the, sliver of a doggy door, door, right? The doggy door, trying to get through the doggy <laughs> door, and there's like three thousand people there. You got twelve people walking through some hangar doors over here. It's harder. You have to walk six miles in that direction, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's a lot of crazy stuff in the way. You might trip. You might fall. You might bust a knee, bust an elbow. But if you can get Mm -hmm. out that door, you have the whole world in front of you, you know? I just had this conversation last night. I was hanging out with a producer of commercials, a friend of mine. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she's so rad. What we were talking about was how when you're an actor or a musician, the practitioner, right, of something that's craft-based. I don't know if this is true for musicians, but as an actor, particularly in the theater or voiceover, which I, well, both Andrew and I do a lot of, When you're going to walk through that door with the 12 people, you don't have a lot of agency. You're removed so far away from the people that you really need to build the relationships with and like leverage how awesome you are, how cool you are, like all the things. So much is taken out of our hands that unless you happen to like click the supply demand over, you know, to your side, demand side, Mm -hmm. you can't do a lot about it except just Mm -hmm. keep slogging away and showing up. Right. Yeah. And I have always like Andrew knows, I've always been like, well, if you're not going to demand me over here i'm gonna go over here and create it here so then when i come back over here you can't say no anymore exactly. <laughs> you know what i mean exactly right exactly That's i don't exactly know right. I think you have to build it you have to you have to go out and build your own demand one thing that it did, yeah. did take from my business class was a very important lesson that many people don't understand why do people go to concerts i'm gonna ask you guys why do people go to concerts you know? Because I want to hear what I've heard on the, my recordings or my Spotify or whatever. I want to yeah. see that happen live. You want to see it happen And live. I think like theater, we I don't know that people know this, but like you take the same, like your heartbeats sync yeah. up. There's like it's a collective, thing It's a collective happens, consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Right. When you're in the middle of it hearing art. Of a and performance. Way, right. Exactly. And the way Joe Rogan talks about comedy, I feel the same with, with music. So what he says is that if you watch a special on TV, it's like about 60% as funny as it was if you were actually there. There's an energy, there's an mm. electricity, there's a mm-hmm. being face to face. I'm sure we would be cracking way more, at least I would be cracking way more jokes if we were all sitting at the same table. Like there's, oh, right. there's a real yeah. indelible energy that you just feel when you're in the presence mm-hmm. of other humans. Like it's, it's something about mm-hmm. us being social beings. So what my teacher of my entrepreneurship class said is that people don't go to concerts for music. They think they do and they trick themselves that way. But we do have Spotify and we do have Pandora and YouTube. The reason why people go to concerts is for people. Mm-hmm. They go to see the person. They go to see other people that also like this person. Maybe you make some new friends. It's all mm-hmm. about people and when you have Mm -hmm. an institution like classical music that takes the people away from it it really kills the experience i just played a show at spivey hall uh, which is a traditional concert venue where a lot of the classical greats he's like perlman performed there like a ton of Mm -hmm. people emmanuel axe my uh teacher and mentor robert mcduffie who founded my undergraduate school they've all Mm -hmm. performed there what was so different about what I did was I talked in between the pieces in a way like a singer songwriter would. And so many people mm-hmm. came up to me afterward and were like, that was so special in terms of, I've never been to a classical music concert that does something like that. Something is simple. It's just rules, weird rules. That's what I'm saying. It it's, make a, it's like, it's an archaic systematic thing mm-hmm. where you're like, this is how it's supposed to be. I'm a purist. And that's great for some people. But again, mm-hmm. like 
we're human beings and it's about yeah. the human experience at the end of the day. That's why people love live events. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Exactly. It's not surprising, but like Aisha Denise, one of our guests was the one who introduced all I of us together. Drew. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. Just too. And she was talking about how she does like Instagram and like, okay, quick run on there and hashtag what you want to hear me play during the show. Mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. of course, why wouldn't you do that in this day and age? If it works, like if you can make something new that yeah. really works together, why yeah. wouldn't you do that? Right. Well, it's because it's scary. And I think people mm. think that it takes away from the mm. art itself because we perceive what we do as the way it was always done, which is a lie. Mm-hmm. And it's a museum. Mm-hmm. So it's like going to the Renaissance Festival, right? Like, I don't want to do it all the time. <laughs> but like, if I want to go to a theme park where I can get a big ass turkey leg, you know, I'm in, yeah. right? I got to dress yeah. up, yeah. be a little nerdy, right? right. But here's yeah. the deal. People expect, or at least people in the classical music space, expect them to be any better than that when they don't mm. really engage the modern human. When in the past, it didn't even used to be like that. In Beethoven and Mozart's day, they wouldn't even perform full works. They would play a movement here and a movement there, and they would joke with the audience, and they'd take a shot, they'd grab a beer, and then they'd improvise. Like Mozart was a wild partier. Mm. He was like a singer-songwriter. Mozart's coming to town. Oh, snap. You know, can you play this? And he's like, any he Free bird. Free bird. You know, <laughs> piano man. Play piano. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shout out Billy Joel. Shout, shout out to Billy Joel. Shout Joe. out the bane of existence to every piano oh, part. To every piano fucking players. piano player yeah. ever. But, you know, honestly, there is a brilliance to it. There really is. And I respect <laughs> yeah. it. I respect it. You get those special moments. Yeah, so special moments in time where a piece of music shapes a, the yeah. whole year or experience. A whole decade. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Man, what a rare occurrence and feeling. Before I die, I definitely would love to make a song like that. Uh, you know, like a, a, a Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, God, yeah, of Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. Just something where it's just like this was symptomatic of a time. Free bird, <laughs> right? Oh. It's a shit that like stands the test of time. You know what I mean? Bohemian mm-hmm. Rhapsody is like now become cool again for yeah. a whole new genre, a generation of people. Yes. Yeah. Because of a different thing. For us, it was Wayne's World. You know, now Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie came and you're like, oh shit, man, that's a, cool. It's an Oscar winner. It's the mainstream again. People sample it all the time. Like Queen is an everlasting thing because they were doing their own shit all the time. All the time. Yeah, Breaking true. boundaries, doing their own shit all the time. So do covers, but don't do covers. Right. Is what right. We're yeah, it's exactly really right. useful as per usual. <laughs> hey, you're welcome, everyone. So it's super simple, guys. Just get out yeah. there and do it, but don't do it. Okay. Do it at the same time. But <laughs> what I think is really important too is like trusting your voice authentically. And not being afraid to like sound different from other people because a great case for this is hip hop. I think hip hop has made more obscure music absolutely dope and cool than any other genre. Maybe jazz Mm -hmm. did it, did it first, Mm -hmm. but the art of sampling. So you have people like Arthur Verokai, a Brazilian jazz artist that was in Brazil, but blew up in America because of like the early hip hop days when people were chopping and sampling his music. Mm -hmm. And now I play a show with Arthur Verakai in in LA. It's packed. You have people from all age groups just bumping to it. Cause if you listen to it, it's so beautiful and timeless. And I think timeless music is the best music. Uh, it's so good you guys we are like out of time already because i know 
Uh, I know. But Drew, what's going on with you? What's next? Where can people find you and what should they be looking out for? Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I I have a YouTube channel called That Viola Kid, Instagram, Facebook. I put out content periodically there. Keep an eye out for my Spotify channel, That Viola Kid. I'm going to be popping out some more hip-hop music and bump the podcast faking notes podcast yes uh every monday you can count on a new episode much like this we talk about music we talk about life and uh, try to leave you with a couple of gems to put on your necklace i love it i love it i'm wearing that necklace uh you are amazing drew thanks for chatting with us man thank you so much for coming on today we really appreciate it tvk thank you i gotta get y'all on faking notes oh yes please i'll go on there fake some notes and be like Yes, let's go. Faking notes. Faking notes. Faking notes. Faking notes. It was so good to talk to Drew today because I I don't know. Sometimes it's really nice to hear the things you've been thinking for yourself in someone else's words and to know that like you're not, you know, making shit up in your head. And I feel like he expressed so many things that I think about all the time in terms of the challenges of being an artist and an entrepreneur. What was it like for you? Yeah, it was an interesting conversation for me. I found myself wondering about content creation and things like that and why I haven't kind of tapped into that market Mm. and as Mm -hmm. artists you know i guess we we get that way sometimes about people bringing new things into the world and you're you're in this buttoned up environment and you're like oh no this is the way it is and then you kind of get a little snooty about that thing right Mm. yeah that's that's Mm -hmm. for kids i'm not doing that you get a little little hoity-toity about your art and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're like oh shit man these kids are like out there making money doing you know their own branding their own content making their own way hoeing their own road what am i doing like Mm. Why Why do we set these parameters for ourselves? So I guess the hope is, like, especially like with this conversation, is that someone will listen and hear you really having thought through your opinions about it. Who's to say? Because you're, a, you know what I mean? You do what you do really well. But maybe there is opportunity someday out there for you if you don't just discount like making stuff online. Who knows? I wonder if anybody listening has also been through this sort of like this journey, you know? I would be interested to hear from people like what your opinions are about it and if they ever changed along the way. Making a podcast is kind of doing that. You're already doing it. You're already starting to make media or telling stories in other places, but the theater, right? Exactly. This is what I love about the podcast. It's so exciting. I got a note from a tech director that I worked with out of town a million years, like four or five years ago, and he's listening to the podcast every week. And he just like dropped a note to say, hey, I actually had never watched Community before, but I loved that interview with Dan so much I'm like totally binging through it and he's so funny and I was like oh my god that's amazing I love that I think Danny's gonna love that I'll text him and tell him he's got one more community fan totally but that's pretty neat right like look if you can reach one person you know that you can reach two people and then again like you said that's it's true. an exponential roller coaster of uh, snowball effect you know if you will people telling people and you know things like that so if you enjoyed this episode, you've got to go follow Drew at That Viola Kid on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. I actually just, he's got story highlights in his Instagram, and I was just like blowing through all the Viola videos that I hadn't watched yet. He's so good. It makes my head hurt. I'm so excited to go to LA and hang out with them. If you want to hear any more of these stories from these brilliant people that we get to interview, head over to Twitter and follow us at TM2C Podcast to ask your questions for our upcoming guests. You can also let us know about someone's smart and cool you follow online that we should talk to so that's it for this episode of take me to coffee with drew ford aka tvk 
now it's your turn. One, check out new episodes every Tuesday on your favorite podcasting thingamajigabababoo. Two, for special bonus content, including being able to see Drew's messy room today. He's going to fucking kill me. Join uh-huh. our coffee club over at Patreon, www.patreon.com slash TM2C podcast. Your contribution helps us continue to make this podcast for you, with you, and completely ad-free. No one tells us what to do. Three, download these episodes, leave us a review, and help us keep growing this podcast. We're really enjoying hearing from all of you guys online, and we can't believe how fast it's starting to grow with the downloads and stuff. So if you can leave us a review, that'll help us grow even faster, do more cool shit for you, and maybe add some new stuff too. I'm Andrew. I'm Jess. And we'll see you next week. Two out the door, then you have magic.